Let's pray together. Father, we pause for just a moment to say thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, for your grace and your loving kindness, which is better than life. My lips will praise you. Thus will I bless you. The psalmist said, I will lift up my hands unto the Lord. Lord, this morning as we just hear the account of what we're about to study in your word, we marvel at the fact that you and you alone are capable of doing whatever you decide to do. You are God all by yourself. And Moses here cries out and says, I don't know that I'm able, I don't even know who I am, and your response is, I will be with you. Lord, I'm conscious of the fact, not just because I'm a preacher of the gospel, but because I am honored to be one of the shepherds to this flock and know some of what's going on in some of the lives. And I'm confident of the fact that in this morning's gathering, Lord, we have people on site and online who know they should be doing something. But the facts are stacked up against them right now. They have concerns. They have mountains. They just can't see the way over. I pray this morning that, yes, we would be convicted by your word, as we all always need to be, but also encouraged that not only do you see over and around and above the mountain, but you're with us and we will get through and over. Encourage us this morning in Christ's name. And the church said, amen, amen. Last week, we ended up with a very direct call in the text. We actually opened our time this morning with it in verse 10, where the Lord says to the solve the problem of what's going on, the problem that needed to be worked out here on earth, he said, here's my heavenly solution for this problem of bondage and slavery and all of the heaviness that's happening in Egypt and my people needing an exodus, my solution is this, I'm going to work through a human being. God's purposes in relation to our world are generally accomplished by human agency, oftentimes. This is God's plan of raising humanity, wise and loving. In today's text, we're going to see this back and forth between Moses and God. C.S. Lewis one time described himself as a most reluctant convert. In fact, um, the reality is, if you look at this, there may have been no more reluctant convert in the history of recorded pages than Moses. God has announced his plan to deal with the oppression of his people, and it involves sending Moses. Last week, we quoted one writer, Azel, who said it well. It appears most remarkable that God did not personally execute what he had personally conceived. Think about it. The thinking was his, the love was his, the spiritual side was all his, and yet he called a shepherd to do the work of an emancipator. It seems that he could have done it with a word. This is the same God that with his word created the world in six days and on the seventh day set the tone for a Sabbath rest. This is the same God that with the span of his hand placed the stars in the skies and the planets and the systems that we've yet to discover. 
all in space. This is the same God that breathed into clay that was fashioned in his image, the breath of life and the human race was born. This is the God that can do anything but chooses to do most things through the people he created. Many times we find ourselves, God, why don't you just do this? And why don't you just do that? Lord, if you would only do this big miracle. And God is saying, I did 2,000 years ago. I sent my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to bear the sin, the shame, and the reproach of the whole world and to die on the cross and to be buried in a borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, raised to life on the third day when God said it was enough, seated at the right hand. I sent the Holy Spirit to fill my church with part of me so that you can be the answer to what ails humanity. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We don't want to hide it. It shines through our brokenness. God can do anything. It's his call. It's his pleasure. And we who are the church, those of us who have come to God on his terms by grace, which brought about repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us, we exist for his glory. And it's in him that we live and move and have our being. Wouldn't it be great if we were always his yes men and yes women? Wouldn't it be awesome? Yes boys and yes girls. The old song writer wrote that spiritual that says, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'm going old church here. Anybody know? I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I see that head, Linda. I will trust you and obey. When the Spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. So what does Moses say? God says, I'm sending you, verse 10. Moses says, um, I can't. Let me give you five responses of Moses in this dialogue with the Lord this morning. We're going to summarize this. The first one, I would say, we find in verses uh, 11 through 12, Moses says, I can't, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. Do you see it? If you're making notes in the margins of your Bibles, I would write that out there somewhere around verse 11 and 12. By the way, my wife had the opportunity to be home last week we uh, had several in our home hit with allergies and, you know, the optics are bad. If your eyes are water and nose running, you don't show up at a public place like that anymore, right? It's back in the day, too, just a side note on, on church folk. Y'all are all crazy. I'm with you. But church folk with being a fevered baby, right, like just load them up with Tylenol and then drop them off in the nursery and go like, oh, is that, I don't know if something's wrong, like just to get away from the kid for a minute. No, nobody does that here, but... Um, it's allergies. No, no, no. He's been throwing up for six days. No, it's just allergies. No, that's not what was happening, okay? It was, it was literally seasonal allergy attack, and it hit three of them. They stayed home. Ashley watched at home, and here's something she said, and I hope this will encourage you, those of you watching online. She said, you know, I appreciate that the notes are available online, but nothing kept me engaged and on track more than just grabbing a sheet of paper and writing notes and staying connected. So if you're watching online this morning, please take notes. If you're here this morning, there was a handout or grab something, you know, right on your neighbor's arm. They won't mind. Just write somewhere and take notes as to what's happening, okay? I can't. I'm a nobody. I don't think that you would ever say this. It, it looks like humility when Moses says it. I, I would still contend that it's probably birthed in humility, but when humility weighs so much that it keeps us from walking in obedience, that's not humility. 
That's something that's been weaponized by the enemy to keep us on the sidelines. It's entirely possible, though, I want to give Moses a benefit of the doubt here, that Moses is imagining the need for social position to be able to interact and get an audience with Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh won't meet with somebody like me. And yet the biblical narrative is replete all the way through history with God using people that society and the cultural elite would bypass and God picks them up out of the miry clay, sets their feet on a rock, establishes their going and uses them in such a way that it confounds the wisdom of the ages. Moses had neither the ability nor the reputation on his own to do what needed to be done to go and speak to the most powerful man at that time on the earth that seemed to hold the power of his great nation's freedom. Wow. Have you ever felt like that? I don't know what the organizational structure is at your workplace, what the hierarchy looks like. I had the opportunity to work at a place one time and, and uh, my boss said, hey, get a meeting with so-and-so and run through with him what we want to do with this space so he can sign off on it we can get it done so I I thought yes sir sent the email off got a meeting and his assistant showed up at the meeting he didn't show up he didn't respond his assistant responded his assistant showed up and and she's there she was a competent probably the smartest person in the building right so let's just go there the right person likely showed up but we're having a conversation and I said uh was was uh so and so not able to join us And she says, he only talks to managers and above. I said, oh, (laughs) I'll just go sit in that corner. You know, just, I don't know what to do with that. So do I need to then have my boss meet with his boss? (laughs) That never happens in any other workplaces today. I'm sure that's uh, obsolete. But the reality is Moses really felt like that. We're not talking about just having an office space assessed. We're talking about the leader of the known world at that time. Here he is saying, I don't know that I can do that. Now, think about where we are in the narrative, too. They've already exchanged names. God and Moses have already exchanged names to a degree. They've already had an introduction. It seems a bit counterintuitive that Moses would say, who am I? We, normally, we lead off with our self-introductions and with an acknowledgement of who we are and what we've done. Hi, I'm Chad. I'm a husband of more than 20 years. I'm a father of five children. I I get the honor of serving as pastor and shepherd and one of the elders at Grace Covenant Church in Charlotte. That's how we talk when we introduce ourselves. God says, I want you to go. And Moses says, who am I? And God responds, what's his response? Look at the text. He says, I will be with you. Notice he didn't address Moses' identity issue directly, but in a way he did. It sounds strange. I'm going to be with you. And then he goes on to say, and you'll know that I'm with you because Israel will come out of Egypt and will serve God on this mountain. People don't talk like this. It looks as though God is saying the proof that I'm going to redeem my people is that I'll redeem my people. (laughs) Maybe God's saying the sign that I'm God is that I will save my people. I am who I am. We're about to get to that too. Moses says, I I can't do this, I'm a nobody. God disarms him and says, yeah, but you're not going in your own strength. I'm going with you. Now, some of you are so smart, you're already at application. Hang with me, let's work through these responses and then we'll touch on application. Second 
response. He says, I can't. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Moses says, if I go and if I say that you sent me, thank you, Shep, for reading that passage. I won't go back and reread all the verses that Shep read. I'm so grateful for our readers that play such a vital role in here in the public reading of Scripture. But if I go like you sent me and they ask a question about your identity, what am I going to say? And God responds, a summary response for your benefit, I've already taken care of that. Verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Wow. Again, we say I am something. God says I am. Now, the actual transliteration of this text is very funky. It's like, I am the ising one. Y'all would run me off the stage if I talked like that all the time. But that's, he's like, I am who I am. Yeah, great. Tell me something about yourself. Here's what he's saying just in that revelation. He's saying, I'm not going to be qualified by any of your descriptors on me. I'm, I am. That's a personal God. He's independent. He is self-existent. He's immutable. He is superior to all other gods. He's not the God of the water or the God of the mountain or the God of the sand or the God of the sea. He is the I aming God. Doesn't make grammatical sense, but it's who he is. He's God all by himself. Now, if we think back through that text that Shep read, look along in your Bible. I'll summarize it, walk you through it. He tells Moses a few other things, too. He says, go get the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent you, Moses. Tell them I've seen them. I know what's being done to them in Egypt. Tell them I will deliver them from Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen. Then I want you to go to Pharaoh with all the elders and tell him that I've met with you all. Tell them to let you go on a three days journey into the wilderness to sacrifice to the Lord our God there. Now I know my grammar's off again, but let me just tell you, it's interesting there. He's like, you go tell them. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's identifying himself with their forefathers. And then he says, when you all get on the same page and you listen, you go to Pharaoh, and when you get to Pharaoh, you're gonna say, the Lord our God. Oh, that's powerful. I, I'm glad that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but it cannot be a private relationship with Jesus Christ and be biblical. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ is a public thing. Because you are a part of the bride of Christ. He's, he didn't say, and Lord, teach us to pray. And when they did, he said, my Father which art in heaven. We spent some time with that last year. It's our Father. Most of the high moments in the New Testament church are experienced as a community functioning together. Tell them that our God wants us to worship there. But know this, he won't let you go. I'm going to have to compel him with my mighty hand. Verse 20 he says, so I'll stretch out my hand, I'll strike Egypt with wonders, and then he'll let you go. Verse 21 and 22, he says, you're actually going to leave Egypt with the finest silver, gold, and clothing. Watch this. The Egyptians are going to hand it to you. This is crazy, y'all. This stuff just does not work out this way. Moses said exactly what uh, he meant to say when he said, what do I say? 
what, 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 what do I tell them? I, I don't know what to say. So God says, here's what you say. God disclosed to him, watch this, the motive, the mission, the method, the means, and the moment of victory at the end. Wow, we rarely get a glimpse at a strategic plan like that. Right? It's remarkable. Years ago when I was working in a parachurch ministry One of the projects was the development of a resource for teens and tweens. And there was a secular conference being put on in uh, a a major city. And it was for video professionals and content creators. And we had a guy on our video production team that was incredible. He's still doing it today. He's an amazing man of God, great dad, great husband, and an incredible storyteller with video. And so we had this opportunity. He said, I'd like to go to this because they're talking about all the things they're doing to get youth to respond. It might be good for us, his words, to see what the enemy has in store. I went, yes, because I could trust this guy. And he was like, you sent a Christian to a play? You sent a sheep to wolves? No, he knew what he was doing. He was well armored. So he got there and, and... with this, the president of Viacom was speaking. Viacom at the time, I, I'm not up to date, forgive me, but Viacom at the time, this was more than 10 years ago, owned MTV, and which owned Nickelodeon, owned quite a few other channels. And Kevin came back and made the statement to me. He said, I said, just a quick summary. I know you'll do a report and give us some insight. And you learned some great stuff, but tell me, just a quick summary. He said, one of the things that got me was when the president of Viacom stood up and said, basically their strategy is this, we want to hook all the kids with Nickelodeon so that we can own them with MTV. Hook? Own? Well, there was no real shock there, but we were taken aback that they were so cavalier and so blatant and weren't even trying to hide it. Now, young people in the room, this was more than 10 years ago. If you can imagine, the iPhone was just being tested. Everybody didn't have six. Uh, not the Model 6, I mean six in their houses, right? We didn't have old ones that we didn't know what to do with anymore, uh, propping doors open. No, we, at the time, companies, some of you adults remember this, companies, organizations were testing them and proving that there would never be any professional use or application for the iPhone. These are terrible, just keep your Blackberries. That's what our IT department was saying. Um, I know, it was like the dark ages, young people. It's crazy. Um, That's how long ago that was, but it wasn't that long ago. So the enemy just laid out a strategy right there. God here, Moses says, what am I gonna say if they ask about your name? God not only tells his name, he lays out the whole strategic plan as to how this thing is going to unfold. There's benefit in getting a glimpse of what God wants to do. I don't wanna jump to application too quickly, but do you know one of the major reasons that people say they don't share their faith is because they don't know what to say? We'll come back to that in just a bit. What's the third pushback? I can't, he says. No one will listen. So here, God says, I'm gonna go with you. Don't worry about the fact that you're a nobody. He says, I don't know what to say. Here's what you're gonna say. Here's the whole plan. Here's the way it's gonna shake out. And then he says, um, nobody's gonna listen. So if the first one we could summarize as saying had to do with uh, the fact that Moses had no credentials, and the second one maybe he had no content, Here, I would say he's concerned he'll have no converts. Look at the text in verses one through nine of chapter four. I won't read all of them, but Moses says, they won't believe me, they won't listen to my voice. They'll say the Lord didn't appear to you. Look at the Lord's response. It's remarkable, isn't it? What's that in your hand? What? He says, a staff. I'm just imagining, I I don't wanna, Moses surely wasn't as sarcastic as I am. 
But I'm just imagining, he says, what, what, what if nobody's gonna listen? They're gonna say, the Lord didn't appear to you and the Lord cuts him off and says, what's that in your hand? I would go, what? I, a staff. And he says, throw it on the ground. I'm going, the, okay, right, throw it on the ground. <laughs> it turns into a snake, that's how this thing goes, right? Now some of you I'm about to lose, don't pass out yet. It turns into a snake and then God says, pick it up by its tail and he does and it turns back into a staff. Then he says, put your hand in your cloak over your heart. He does. He pulls it out. It's leprous. He sticks it back in, pulls it out again. It's healed. And then he says, I'm going to use these signs. This is a part of those mighty acts I'm going to use. But he says, and you'll also turn the water to blood. Remember how special we said the Nile was to the Egyptians. It was actually a god to them. These signs are not mere tricks that Moses can perform at will to grab a crowd. These aren't parlor tricks. They are God's salvation and judgment in a miniature scale. Think about that. We get so obsessed with wanting to see something, and we want to see something miraculous happen. Jesus would say of the people around him, a wicked and perverse generation seeks after a sign. Jesus was the greatest sign, miracle, and wonder they needed, but they rejected him. Friend, I, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself, but in this age where people are clamoring for signs and wonders because we're a show-me society, we're a sensationalist society, you are the sign. You are the wonder that they need to see. Someone whose life has been radically transformed by the power of God. What's your thing? What's in your hand? The real sign for this Deliverance would be the exodus itself, the plagues included, the sign for future generations and the identity of God. It would be the event that would shape the identity of his people. You and I may not have a staff in our hand, and certainly I don't think you want to throw anything down on the ground and turn into a snake. If you do, wrong church. Sorry, that's not us. But I will say this. What's your thing? What's that thing that you have? God can use it. What's your talent? What's your gift? is a shepherd's staff. God can take anything you have. Maybe you're like the little boy who has the barley loaves and the fish. Just enough for you. Just enough for a bit to sustain you. If you put it in Christ's hands, he will multiply and bless others for the sake of them hearing the gospel. Your salvation is the sign and the wonder for people to see today. That's what God would say to us, I think. He says, I can't, I, I won't have any converts. Can I remind you that it's God's business to convert people, not ours. We're just in the business of extending the lifeline. The next objection, we're coming to the last two. He says, I can't, I, I don't know how to say it, or another way to say, I won't say it well. My communication style is not good. My clarity, I don't sound like him. I won't say it like her. I, I'm not sure I can get it. He says in verse uh, 10, oh Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. What does God say in response? Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Go, I'll be with your mouth. I'll teach you what you shall speak. God says, I'm the one that gives words. I give hearing. I give insight. It's true that Moses can't speak well, and it's true that people don't listen well. Can I get an amen from somebody on that? Yeah. 
But God gives words and God gives hearing and God opens blind eyes to see the truth. Oh, if I could have you just jump with me in your mind to 1 Corinthians or yeah, chapter 2 where Paul is sharing and he says, remember when I came to you brothers, I didn't come proclaiming the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God's not looking for eloquence or communication style, but he is looking for clarity. And that will come accidentally. We'll cover that in just a few moments in the application. You remember Paul prayed in Colossians 4, Lord, open a door, open their heart, and open my mouth to declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a prayer that God still answers today. God gives words. He still gives hearing, and he's still drawing men and women and boys and girls to himself to seek him while he may be found. The last part of our text this morning as we look at these excuses, these reasons, these concerns, Moses finally just throws in the talents and says, I can't. Send someone else. Wow. Can you imagine? At the burning bush that doesn't get consumed, he's going back and forth with God and he's finishing up with saying, yeah, I'm out, Lord. You've answered everything I've put up, but I'm out. It's like a you know, you're in one of those uh, salesman opportunities and they keep answering all your things but you never intended to buy the thing and finally you just go, yeah, I'm out, I'm done. You had no commitment walking in. I can't, Some, someone else, look at the text. He says, oh, Lord God, verses 13 through 17, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. He's coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad. Let me just summarize it for you. Moses makes one more attempt to avoid the task. This time he provokes God's anger. God's response, he says, this is enough. No more excuses. I'm enough. I'm going to help you, though. God graciously allows Moses to take his brother as his spokesman. Aaron can go with you. I have someone near you that can make up for your weaknesses. Where you are weak, he is strong, and the two of you will work together. Oh, brother or sister in Christ this morning, I know, I know that you need some encouragement in your walk with the Lord this morning. I've come to encourage you. You don't have to reach the whole world for Jesus by yourself. Where you are weak, there's somebody on a pew near you that is strong. We are in this Together, God did not send Moses out alone. He sent him with Aaron and the elders we'll see later. Look around. We're in this together. One modern-day songwriter said this, I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive this back and forth between Moses and God is interesting but it's not extraordinary you say um I beg to differ there's a bush on fire that's not burning up well that part's extraordinary but the back and forth isn't that Moses would argue with God is not extraordinary we know what God wants from us but we constantly put up 
excuses. You know what is extraordinary? God's patience with Moses. You know what else is extraordinary? God's patience with us. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come and reach repentance. Let me give you a quick application as we finish here. You're already there, I know. I'll try to be brief. It's not just a reluctant conversion story here. That's fascinating, but that may not resonate with everybody in the room. Although, I think a majority of us would concede that we didn't come to Christ, we didn't put our faith and trust in Him the first time we were confronted with the gospel. Many of us came after multiple draws. There are many of us who are likely reluctant in our work to fulfill God's mission for our lives. God has demands on us from the gospel for our witness, for our worship, for our investment and commitment through the local church, and some of us push back a little bit on that. Some of us have some obstacles that we think are legit. Moses thought his concerns were legit too. The lessons we see can be applied in so many areas. I just want to focus on one, one kingdom initiative. There are probably other areas of your life that you've already made some application. I want to talk to you just a moment about why we wouldn't share the gospel. First thing we might say, you ready? Well, that's not my calling. That's not my calling. Who am I? I'm just a church member. I'm not the pastor. That's his job. Actually, newsflash, my job description shows up in Ephesians 4. You know what it is? To equip you to do the work. (laughs) See y'all next Sunday. (laughs) That whole thing about preachers working one day a week, we wish. (laughs) That's just not how it works. Now, I have to do the work with you as a fellow member of Grace Covenant. But it's not Pastor Chad's job or Elder Phil's job to reach South End for Jesus. No, that's member Phil, member Chad. It's our job to equip you to do the work of ministry. That's not my calling, who am I? But the Lord says, you are not alone. I've saved you for a purpose. He didn't save you to be a pew potato, to be a consumer of Christian stuff. He saved you to be an ambassador for Christ. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, that promise of him being with us at all places is connected to fulfilling the Great Commission. Number two, I don't know what to say. I don't know. I'm not sure I know what to say, we might say. But it's God's message, not ours. I've got just the book for you if you need to know what to say. Bestseller. Bestselling book of all time. Published in any language you can imagine. We still have some publishing and, and translation to go in some, but you don't know what those are. But most of us, the language is spoken in here this morning, best-selling book of all time. H- have you heard somebody that you know and hopefully love say this before? If you will get in the Word, the Word will get in you. Get in a group. We have them here for all ages. We're studying God's Word using a tool called, watch this, the Gospel Project. I don't know what to say. I go to church every Sunday. I don't know what to say. You're answering Facebook notifications on your phone during the whole sermon. You never show up at a small group. Of course you don't know what to say. It's just that's two plus two equals four. Get in a group. You can communicate clearly the good news, but you won't learn it accidentally. Just by a quick way of illustration for you, my boys and I are working through the disciplines of a godly young man, and this past discipline we read about was the discipline of witness, and the writer shared an illustration, a story, first-hand account 
of a Christian artist that he knew of that was asked to explain his understanding of the gospel. So here's a Christian artist trained. Listen to his explanation. Give me your understanding of the gospel. Sit with me now. You ready? Here's what he said. What a great question. I, I guess probably, well, my instinct is to say that it's Jesus coming, living, dying, and being resurrected, and his inaugurating the already and not yet of all things being restored to himself, and that happening by way of himself, that the being made right of all things. It's that process both beginning and being a reality in the lives and hearts of believers and yet a day coming when it will be more fully realized. But the good news, the gospel, the speaking of the good news, I would say is the news. I, I would say it's the news of his kingdom coming, the inaugurating of his kingdom coming. That's my instinct. What? I mean, I've, I've read it a couple times, and there's actually some good, I like his sincerity. You can tell he knows the Lord, he knows theological truths, and that he longed to be sincere in his expression. But here's the deal. It was unclear because he was just reacting out of instinct. He wasn't doing what he'd been trained to do. To be an effective witness, we've got to be clear. Can I give you just two things that will help you be clear, and then we'll finish out our application. Number one, two things that help you be clear. Memorize a few scriptures that sum up the key components of the gospel. John 3.16 is not enough. I thought it was. That's what that guy has at the football games. He'll be there. That ain't enough. It's, it's not enough. You need more of the word in you than John 3.16. Pagans know John 3.16, and they're still pagan. We need to understand some scriptures that connect to the main themes of the gospel. Listen carefully. Spend some time meditating on these pictures. God is creator. Man's sin. God's judgment. Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection. Repentance and faith. You're like, great, what are they? I'll send you an email out later today. I'll post it live, okay? Grab one of those resources at the back, which leads me to step number two. Learn a gospel presentation. Some of you have avoided those like the plague. You're like, well, I don't want to memorize something, Pastor, because I don't want to sound canned. You know, I want to be extemporaneous and organic and just kind of feel it out. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? Still waiting on that perfect moment to say that perfect thing? Train yourself. Take one of those. I would grab What is the Gospel? That's a good one by Greg Gilbert. Any of those out there. Answers to Life Questions by Vody Balkum. That's a great one out there. Grab any of those resources out there. Take it with you. Tuck it in your Bible. Not because you need Jesus. Unless you need Jesus. Grab one. They'll help you. And call me. I'm happy to pray with you. But take it to start framing things in your mind. And you know what? Grab a couple because it just puts some different tools in your tool belt in your memory. Memorize them. Why? Here's the benefits of memorizing them. It, they'll help you wrestle with the logic of the gospel. They'll help you remember key verses better conversationally. And they'll put different tools so that you'll always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Pick them up on the way out. They're not there like they're not 20 bucks a piece. They're free. I don't know if I've ever mentioned they're free. You can take them. I promise. I'd love for you to. Got it? Okay, good. Let's get back to the uh, obstacles here that are before us what are the reasons we don't share the gospel number three nobody will listen to me well i've got good news for you that's the lord's job to save it's not ours it's our job to throw out the lifeline it's not up to you who grabs a hold we want to be clear and compelling in the way we share it the bible says in john 6 jesus said no one comes to me unless the father who sent me draws him and i will raise him up on the last day fourth objection only two more what if I don't do it perfectly? 
listen, can I just tell you something? Quick encouragement. Your less than perfect evangelism is better than your no evangelism. Right? Well, I'm not fully trained in how to throw the proper size life float to the guy that's drowning, so I just, I'm just going to watch him. Sorry, buddy. I know there's stuff here. I just, I haven't been, I don't know exactly. I might grab the wrong one. He's like, just throw me a float. <laughs> Anything. Here, you threw him one that was too big. Oh, guess what? It still saved his life. Don't worry about perfection. Worry about clarity and just do it. Moreover, the Bible says it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. Last obstacle we have, we say, I just can't. We say, like Isaiah, Lord, here am I, send her. <laughs> That's not the way this works. You know, two words that don't go together, no and Lord. Saying yes to Jesus means leaning into all the demands of the gospel. It means being welcomed into the family of God, the local church. It means being connected and being an ambassador. There's no example in this book of a thriving, obedient, disciple-making disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ that is disconnected from the local church. I have a lack of credentials. No, you've been personally commissioned by the Lord himself. I've got a lack of content. Get into the Word so the Word can get into you. I've, I, there'll be a lack of converts. That's the Lord's job. I've, I've got a lack of communication skills. Where you weren't wooed by a complex presentation of the gospel, you were drawn by clarity. Make the effort. Discipline yourself. I, I'm just, I don't know if I'm committed. Well, that is a problem, friend. God has provided everything you need. I'm closing with this. He's provided His power for he's with you. The Bible says his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's provided his church. You are not alone. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Hebrews says, chapter 10, 24 and 25. Who is on your list that you know that's near you but far from Jesus? Moses made some great excuses with God. Don't take this lesson and come to the conclusion and say, well, Moses got away with arguing with God. I've just got to get better at arguing with God. No. Come to the realization, as Moses did, that God's will is perfect. Give way to the Lord. Don't resist him. Trust him. Delight in him and his way. Don't make excuses. Go make disciples. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. Stay seated. Let's pray together as we transition to communion in a moment. Not because this is a, quote, gospel invitation, but if I could say to you with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm wondering this morning, are you facing troubles? Is something standing in your way of obeying the Lord? Don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. You've manned up and womaned up in some other areas of your life in physical discipline, and you've made some changes that have affected your health and 
All those things. You know that if you're going to see real change, it's going to take commitment and focus. I'm asking you this morning, what are the areas in your life that the Lord is convicting you of in a lack of commitment and focus? Say yes this morning to the I am. Find refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Say yes to his will. Yes to his way. Father, in Jesus' name, we trust you and we long to obey you. And the church said, amen. Let's stand together.